We have a great woman before us. The woman Rahab. I'll not take long. The story is well known. But we want to consider a couple aspects of it. This woman was like Daniel. She was not afraid to stand alone. She passed up the certain reward. If she would have turned spies in, what do you think? Would the king of Jericho have appreciated that? She took the risk of certain death. If the king of Jericho had caught her hiding spies, it would have been treason and certain death. She gave up her religion, her city, her acquaintances, her friends, her house, her home, her language, her comfort zone to cast in her lot with the people of God like Moses did. Moses gave up 40 years of learning and wisdom and accolades with the Egyptian nation in order to suffer affliction with the people of God. He gave up the pleasures of sin for a season and the treasures of Egypt for the riches of Christ. It was an easy decision for him. And it's an easy decision for those few that make the choice. We just sang in one of those songs for the faithful few. They've always been few. Only a few of you in this assembly will ever amount to anything as a Christian or a person. Because you're not committed to excellence or to diligence. You won't apply yourself. You hear the words run off your back. You go home and go through your same little habits. Instead of having a changed life by the word of God. Joshua, Joshua 1 and David in Psalm 1 should change our lives to feed on the Word of God more than we have before. It should affect us. Rahab should affect us. This woman made a decision by faith. She took the risk of death, gave up certain rewards, lost all of her friends, chose a whole new people and a whole new religion because she knew that God was among them. And she did it by faith, and she did it quickly, and she did it easily. There was no debating with her. And that's the wonderful thing about when God does a work rather than when men do a work. You don't have to persuade, beg, appeal, or push. Because God will do it. And they show their hearts. You know, on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ did not debate long with the thief. The thief just stopped his cursing, rebuked his neighbor, and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Rahab said to two spies, remember me when Israel comes into their kingdom by taking this whole land and save my father's house and me alive. Joshua chapter 2. The first chapter of Joshua introduced us to a great man. This chapter introduces a great woman. The nation of Israel is but a few days from crossing Jordan to take Jericho when this chapter occurred. Joshua has ordered the nation to prepare vittles. For the three-day trip to be on the other side, the manna would cease, as we read last Sunday, and they would be able to take the spoils of the inhabitants of Jericho. There are great women in the Bible, and every young woman can latch on to one of these women. It was only a few weeks ago, on a Wednesday evening, when we looked at, or maybe it was Sunday, we looked at jail, and Rahab's one of them as well. Her sinful past shouldn't bother anyone. Because the lover of sinners looks for great sinners. It was a thief on the cross. It was a harlot in Jericho. It was a woman with seven devils that Jesus cast out of Mary Magdalene, to whom he appeared first after his resurrection. 
He didn't appear to Peter, the first pope of the Catholic Church, in their imagination. He didn't appear to John, the beloved disciple. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. The lover of sinners is a great Savior. And this is a, a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said, of whom I am chief. Joshua 2. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Joshua's not sitting around, is he? God told him, Arise and go. And so Joshua's doing it. In chapter 1, He told the princes of the congregation to go tell them they had three days to prepare to cross Jordan, which they wouldn't do one generation earlier. In fact, the nation had tried to stone him when he said the same words just one generation earlier. Now he's commanding them to do it. And then he gathers the two and a half tribes and he deals with them. And now he sends out two spies to view the land. And God was in the matter of these two spies. Now he sent them out secretly. Do you know of any other way to send spies? The reason I ask you that question is so that you'll think about what that adverb applies to. Does the adverb secretly apply to the verb spy or to the verb sent? Sent. No one else in Israel knew that he had sent two spies. When they came back, they reported to him and they reported to him alone. The last time 12 spies were sent out, they came back and reported to the nation And the little people couldn't handle, when I say little, little in faith. They're called unbelievers in Hebrews 3 and 4. The people, little in faith, couldn't handle the report of the spies because the report included some walled cities and some big men. So Joshua sends the two spies himself as the military commander of the Israeli army to find out what the city was like and what the attitude and spirit of the inhabitants were. And that's what they're going to come back and tell them. Their hearts are melted. They're afraid of us. They're terrified. We can go and take the land. And they came into a harlot's house. Harlots are pretty good for preserving identities of men. There's lots of strange men going in and out. It's a likely place to go. If you read commentaries, what you're going to run into in Joshua 2 and verse 1 is that the harlot's house was really the Holiday Inn. And that Rahab was just an innkeeper. All she was was she was a hotel manager. Because they just can't they just can't fathom two spies going into a harlot's house. I don't know where you'd rather go if you're in a city and don't want to be caught. Men who don't want to be caught usually go to harlot's houses. I mean men men go to harlot's houses and don't get caught many times. That was a good place for them to go. The Lord providentially arranged it anyway. I'm sure she wasn't the only one in town. The Lord providentially arranged for those two men where they were going to end up. Because the result proves that God was in the matter from the beginning. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house. For they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus. And here's Rahab's answer to the search party sent from the king. There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. 
And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. These are the words of Rahab. This is how she justified herself before God as one of his children with a new heart regenerated by the Spirit of God, able to think this quickly on her feet and make a choice. I choose the God of Israel and not the God of Jericho. I choose the leadership of Joshua, not the leadership of my king. I choose the company of God's people rather than the company of all the inhabitants of Jericho, including her neighbors, acquaintances, friends, and schoolmates, whoever she knew in that city. She said in verse 4, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. Of course she knew who they were. Why do you think she'd hid them? And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark, that's why you men didn't notice it, that they went out. And I don't know where they went. Whither they went, I wot not. I don't know where they went. But if you'll hurry, you can catch them because they just left a little while ago. Now, if you're a search party, you have a difficult decision to make. Is this woman lying to me? Every second you delay, if the men just left, means they're getting farther ahead. Oh, she was good. The Lord's good, and so are the Lord's people good when they're walking with the Lord, and the Lord's blessing them. They took off because, listen, they could always come back and check out Rahab, but they had to chase those men if they had just left the city. So off goes the search party, and there's two spies in Rahab's house that have been protected by her lie. Now, brethren, this is a point that should be so simple, but it is not simple. Let me pull out my favorite commentator and read to you from Joshua chapter 2 and verse 4 on their inability to reason through, scripturally, a passage like this. Rahab lied, and she lied very well, and God blessed her lie, and it was her lie that justified her. Because it was her lie that saved the two spies of the people of God against the pagan inhabitants of her city. But they can't handle that because they're Pharisees. They do not understand mercy. They do not understand righteous judgment. Do you know what the Bible says? Judge not by appearance, but judge righteous judgment. This is my favorite commentator. Matthew Poole. 300 years ago. Her answer, contained in these and the following words, was palpably false, and therefore unquestionably sinful. Howsoever her intention was good therein. See Romans 3.8. Romans 3.8 says, Those that say, let us do evil that good may come, let them be damned. How's that helpful? But it is very probable, she being a heathen, might think what some Christians have thought and said, that an officious lie is not unlawful. Or, at worst, this was her infirmity, which was graciously pardoned by God, and her faith was amply rewarded. She unquestionably sinned in lying to the search party. What a disappointment. And then so you grab another commentary, and you grab another commentary, and you keep grabbing commentaries, and they fault Rahab for on two counts. She couldn't have been a harlot. She was an innkeeper. God couldn't have been pleased with her lie, because a lie is always sin. Can I help you think about this for just a second? It was 21 years ago 
that I preached a message, a, a series of messages called Christian Ethics, right. where we looked at a number of situations. The Bible teaches us a great deal of things if we'll just meditate on it day and night. If you meditate in the Word of God, you won't have a question about Rahab and what she did. You know, she hadn't even found the Word of God yet, heard it preached, or read it. But the Lord was already testifying in her spirit, these spies are more important than telling the truth to men who worship false gods and have set themselves against the God of Israel. She hid the two spies in her roof before the search party ever got there. She most certainly knew who they were. There was no other reason for her to hide them except she knew who they were. Here is where Pharisees who do not judge righteous judgment. We do not judge by appearance. Because it's a lie, we reason through the lie. Beyond just saying, well, it's a lie, it couldn't be right. Well, how about slaughtering all the babies of Jericho? They're, you're you're going to kill them, so you shouldn't lie to the people that you're about to kill. We'll go on. There's, there's a hundred ways you can think about this. They get totally confused. It is confounding to read their common, the commentators who condemn her actions as entirely sinful. We shall by righteousness and truthfulness of God justify her and the Lord. Rahab had more sanctified common sense than the vast majority of Christians do. While we're seeking to provoke women to greatness, we want them to be great in wisdom. And this woman was already great in wisdom. First of all, Rahab knew God had given Canaan to Israel. They were all history. She knew that because she says so in verse 9. She said, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. That means they owned it. That means they had a right to the truth. And her people didn't because they were all going to be wiped out. She knew that. Second, Rahab knew by Israel's treatment of other enemies, there was no mercy to show to these people. We could have 50 of these, but I'll just give you 10 to get you thinking. Third, Rahab knew lying was allowable in such cases. Because she had two liars under her roof. What do you think spies do for a living? Right. Hi, I'm from Israel. Joshua sent me. I'm here to spy out your city. Hey, dudes, are you from Israel? What do you think they were going to say? As the Lord liveth. She had two liars in her house. Please. It amazes me. This woman was justified by her lie. We're just getting started. Fourth, in acts of war for protection or taking of lives, there's no such thing as honesty. Right. You, know what, you know what Joshua's going to learn from this event? He likes it. When he takes on the city of Ai, do you think he goes up there with signs? We're only part of the army. The other part's behind the city. No, he went up there with the army when the men of Ai came out. What does the Bible say? They ran away as if. They made as if. They pretended something other than the truth to deceive all the men of Ai from em to empty out of their city. Then he raised his spear and the ambush came in and took them. Fifth. Oh, this is, we don't need to list them because there's so many and there's so many more you could add. Mercy is greater than sacrifice, and God clearly loved only Israel. So Rahab was being merciful to the people of God rather than to her own people. Six, when life or death is at stake, the importance of truth becomes secondary to life. When there's a virtuous life about to be lost, you will do what you can to save that life. Eighth, 
Her people had chosen lies of their gods against the God of Israel. Her nation was already set on lies. Why not give them what they wanted? Ninth, it was her lying that proved her justification before God, not just her faith. James 2.25 tells us that. This event wasn't any different than what Joshua did to Ai a few days later. The Bible is filled with examples like this. If you have trouble with Rahab, how about some of these? I've got 40. How about the Hebrew midwives? Pharaoh told the Hebrew midwives, when those Israelite women are given birth, you kill those babies. He took a census and found out that there were as many live births among the Israelite women as there always had been. So he called the, the midwives in and said, and their names are in the Bible, Shifra and Pua. Ladies, why are there so many Hebrew babies still living? Oh, you wouldn't believe it, O king. You wouldn't believe it. They're so fast. By the time we get the call to go to the birth, the baby's already there. It's nursing on its mother. How can you kill a nursing baby on its mother? Those women are lively on the stools. They sit down and out pops the baby. Before we can even... You say, is that in the Bible? That's all in the Bible. Do you know what the Lord did for those two women? It says the Lord built them houses because they feared God and weren't afraid to lie to the king. Now listen, all you children. Because Hebrew midwives lied to save babies... And because Rahab lied to save two spies, that doesn't mean you get to lie to your parents. Ever. Ever. You always tell them the truth. Jesus always told his parents the truth. We are dealing with exceptional, extreme cases of life and death and war. Oh, there's so many. Brethren, who is the biggest liar in the Bible? David. David, ta- David lied so many times. When he was running from King Saul, he came to the priest and said he was on a mission from Saul. He was on a mission from Saul. He was on a mission to get away from Saul. When Samuel went to go anoint David king in Bethlehem, he told the Lord, he said, Lord, you're telling me to go anoint a new king in Bethlehem. If Saul finds out about it, he's going to kill me. Well, tell him you're going there to offer a sacrifice. You say, that's not in the... Oh, yes, it is. How about this one? Ahab needs to get killed. Micaiah the prophet said, I saw heaven opened, and all the host of heaven gathered there. And the Lord said, who's going to get Ahab to battle? One one angel tried this one. One angel tried this one. One angel said, I'll be a lying spirit. I'll get him to battle. The Lord said, go and prosper. And he sent a lying spirit to get Ahab into battle. How about Jehu? Jehu wrote a message to the whole nation of Israel. Ahab served Baal a little. I'm going to serve him a lot. I want every Baal worshiper here in Samaria. Was he telling the truth? Then he went in with Jehonadab and offered a sacrifice to Baal. You say, that's a little too far. The Lord said, you have done well in executing that which is right in mine eyes. He made sure that they were only worshipers of Baal in there. He said, look among yourselves. You know that whole story. How about David when he had to run away from Saul? What did he get his wife to put in the bed? Was there a bolster put in the bed to protect his life so that when Saul's men came in, yeah, he's sick in bed, Saul. Well, why didn't you kill him in his bed? So they went down there and stabbed that bolster a few times. They found out that it wasn't David. On and on it goes. David's counselor was Hushai. He sent Hushai back to feign to Absalom that he would be his counselor. We are dealing with life and death in military matters. Come on. It amazes me. It confounded me. 
It angers me that men can't read through Joshua and figure out what's going on there. Oh, there's so many. Ehud told King Eglon, I have a message from the Lord. You say, well, he was telling the truth. Well, really? His message wasn't a cubit and a half dagger. A cubit dagger that he put in the belly of King Eglon. And on and on it goes. Why can't they read the rest of the Bible? All we're going to do is reason through Joshua chapter 2 based on the rest of the Bible. Obviously, Rahab lied to the search party sent from the king of Jericho, and she saved those two spies. And based on that choice that she made right at that moment, when they're at her door and saying, send those men that you have in your house out because they're spies. She made a choice right then. She made a choice earlier. They're up on the roof in the, in the flax. She lied and said they went that away, I think, I'm not sure where they were headed, but if you hurry, you can get them. And she spared their lives and she spared her house from any further searching. Her words end in verse 5. Verse 6, but she had brought. That's past perfect tense, meaning this was an act that she had done before. She met the search party at the door. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. It's telling you what you just read isn't really true. She had already hid them, because it's the past perfect tense. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. You know, the search party took off and chased, looking for men, all the way to the fords of the Jordan River. And as soon as they went out, because it was already night and dark, they shut the gates of the city. So the men are locked on the inside. Verse 8, before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, listen, they didn't say to her. We're at Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9. She said to them, the Lord sent them to the right house. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. This is wonderful news for Joshua. This is what he sent the spies out for. She's telling them exactly what Joshua wants to hear for the encouragement to go take the land of Canaan. Remember Gideon? How the Lord encouraged Gideon. Gideon, go down and listen to that tent down there of those Midianites. I know the Midianites stretch as far as your eye can see in every direction. Just, just sneak down there tonight and listen at that tent. And he listened at that tent, and he heard one Midianite interpreting a dream to the other Midianite how Gideon was going to come and wipe them out. You know, that helps. When you're a man that needs fleece to do this and fleece to do that, and if you get a wet fleece, then you want a dry fleece, the next day the Lord gives you what you need. He gave Gideon some encouragement. He gave Gideon enough encouragement that he took on the whole thing with 300 men, and all they did was hold torches up and blow on trumpets and yell and holler. I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Everyone else knew, saw, heard. They had read the newspapers as much as Rahab had, but what made the difference in her? God had made a difference in her heart. What a difference it was. There there are men who read the Bible, and it's just a closed book to them. The Bible tells us that. It is a closed book. Then there are others that read the Bible, and it just opens up their souls. Their eyes latch upon it. Their ears hear it. Their heart understands it, and they want to obey it. This woman had heard about these people coming out of Egypt. She had heard about their 40 years. She heard about what they had done to other kings. She knew that their God was the true God of heaven. Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt. 
and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Rahab knew something the others did not know. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that if they had known that Jesus was the Lord of glory, they wouldn't have touched him. But there were people that did know Jesus was the Lord of glory. Simeon knew the little baby Jesus was the Lord of glory. Anna knew it. Others knew it. They followed him. They believed him. They were baptized in his name. It is the grace of God that makes every bit of difference. And this is a holy example of the scriptures that a whole city is annihilated. They're faithless, unbelieving pagans. But there was one woman in there, a harlot by trade, a prostitute, that God reached down and changed her heart. And if it hadn't been for that same God to reach down and change our hearts, we would have continued on in lives as worthless, as vain, and as sinful as Rahab's. This is the grace of God on display. This is the thief on the cross of the Old Testament. This is Rahab the harlot a few days before annihilation. Look at her. I know that the Lord's given you the land. I know from all the things he's already done with you. I know that your Lord is God of heaven above and of the earth beneath. And I know right now that if I get you to swear in the name of the Lord, notice that she knows, she knew, if I get you to swear in the name of the Lord, you will protect me. And so I'm asking you for the kindness that I have shown to you, that you will swear in the name of the Lord and show me kindness by saving my whole family. The Lord mentions five men that were intercessors in prayer. Do you remember them? Noah, Daniel, Job, Samuel, and Moses. When they prayed... God listened, and he spared from families to entire nations based on their solitary prayers. This woman prays for her whole family and asks for mercy upon them, and her whole family is saved. The man answered her, verse 14, our life for yours. Sounds like a fair trade. If ye utter not, this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. How did they know to do that? The Lord was leading all the way through this entire transaction. You can't read Joshua 2 without seeing the Lord all the way through it on how he took care of both the, the two spies that they would go to that house, that she would be so prepared that when confronted with imminent danger, she would choose the Lord, and that they would be able to reason with her and promise her that even when the city was going to fall flat, her house would stand. The Lord was in the, the matter from top to bottom, in her, in them, so that they could speak this way. And the Lord kept their commitment to her. Verse 15, Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. 
And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned. And afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. I want you to understand the real nature of swearing and oaths. It's when someone swears you to do something in the name of the Lord. And she said, promise to me in the name of the Lord that you're going to protect me. And they knew what she had done to them. So you don't have to say the words. If someone else says the words, they put you under oath. We do that in court all the time. And the Lord does that in the Bible. Paul did that to Titus and to Timothy by charging them in the name of the Lord to be faithful to their duties. And he would invoke the name of God. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. She had done that to them. We will be blameless of this thine oath. You made it up, but you made us swear it by calling upon us in the name of the Lord. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. Do you understand the condition? You get your family and get them in your house and keep them in your house. If they step outside the door into the street and they're killed, then their blood is on their head and we are guiltless. If you're in the house and anything happens to you, then it's on our head. Now, there would have been a pretty big crash when the wall of Jericho fell down. There would have been a lot of curiosity to step out in the street. There would have been a whole lot of noise as the Israelites ran into that city and decapitated every single person they met. But two men, those two spies, went to that house and took her and her family outside, outside the camp of Israel so they wouldn't have to watch the entire annihilation of the city of Jericho. Verse 20, And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came into the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over Jordan and came to, I added that for your understanding, passed over Jordan, came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, truly, the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land. For even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Amen. What Joshua wanted to hear, God got the news for him. He wanted to find out the state of their souls, what kind of military tactics to use, and whether it was going to be easy to take the land of Canaan. And they were all terrified of him. Their souls had melted, and the report was brought back. Notice it was brought back to Joshua, not to the nation. It was brought back to Joshua. Then he leads the nation across the Jordan River. Rahab, by this act, is found throughout our Bibles. This woman is special in the sight of God. This woman and her family was taken out of her house when the walls of Jericho fell flat. The Bible says they fell flat. That means they flattened anything in their way, and it was flat. 
Except there was this one building still standing. The house of Rahab. Brethren, you know, I don't know how you read the Bible. I don't know how you delight in the Word of God. But I have two spies marching around that city one time every day for six days. They couldn't say anything because Joshua told them they couldn't speak. But they knew exactly where Rahab was because there was a, a scarlet line coming out of that window. And they went by it every day. She would have been looking out. She would have got her family to come home and praise the Lord for her character. Listen to the character of Rahab. When Lot told his family, we've got to get out of the city because God's going to destroy the city, they, they laughed at him. They, he thought they couldn't believe that Lot would be saying such a thing. He'd been such a happy inhabitant of Sodom. But this woman, the Lord had convinced her family enough, and she had convinced them enough. They all gathered in her house, and she and her family were saved. Right. She was a woman of faith. She went against the crowd. The crowd didn't bother her a bit, her whole city, and she was going to lose them all. She chose the religion of God over the religion of her people, the language of God's people over, over the language of her people. She was so much like Ruth, who said to Naomi, Whithersoever thou goest, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you're buried, I will be buried. Rahab said all of that, though the words are not found here. She said it all by lying to the search party sent from the king of Jericho. She had a purpose firm. She was not afraid to stand alone, and she wasn't afraid to make it known. She put that scarlet line out of her window, and they marched around seven days and the seven times on the seventh day, and the city fell flat, but her house stood, and she was saved. That woman, a harlot, a Canaanite harlot, is saved in the land of Canaan. A man named Selman found her. A man named Selman found her, and a man named Selman said, The fear of God is better than virginity. The courage and zeal is better than a pure woman, physically. I want her. Selman married Rahab. Selman the Israelite married Rahab the Jerichoite. Rahab the harlot. Their son, Boaz. Do you know why it was so easy for Boaz to marry a Moabitess? Because his mother was from the city of Jericho. Do you know how easy it was for Boaz to marry a woman from the nation of whores, the Moabites? Because his mother was Rahab the harlot. Selman and Rahab had Boaz. Boaz and Ruth had Obed. Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David. So turn to Matthew chapter 1 and let's close this out. The woman of faith. Let's see if she's found in the New Testament. The lover of sinners found Rahab. Saved Rahab. And Rahab found him. And Rahab was not only saved from death. Rahab was the great, great grandmother of David. And Rahab was a mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rahab gets herself in the Bible several times. Look at this. Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, And Selman begat Boaz of Rahab. That's Rahab coming from one language to another. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. There's four women in Matthew chapter 1. 
There's Ruth the Moabitess. There's Tamar the daughter-in-law. There's Bathsheba the adulteress. And there's Rahab the harlot. There are four women in Matthew chapter 1 for the comfort of all women that God loves sinful women who repent and turn to Him. He can forgive them in a second of time and bless their lives when they come running to Him and confess their faults. Praise the God of heaven. The mercy in the life of Rahab. The, the entire population of Canaan is going to be wiped out. Everyone was, they utterly slew everyone in the city of Jericho. But Rahab saved herself and her family by faith in God. She was equal to Noah. She was equal to Abraham. And how do we know that? By turning to Hebrews 11, we know that. Turn over to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith. It's full of men. Who are the two women in the Hall of Faith? Sarah. Sarah. That's the wife of Abraham. She's the holy example of 1 Peter chapter 3. She's the mother of the nation of Israel. Sarah's in there. Of course Sarah's in there. Who else is in Hebrews 11? Rahab the harlot. Verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. She took those spies in and became their friend. And she did not perish with them that believed not because she was full of faith that the God of Israel was the true God of heaven above and of earth beneath. She is in Hebrews 11. Keep turning to James chapter 2. Any of you young quizzers that are working? Any of you young quizzers know James 2.25? Do you know James 2.25? You want to lay it on us? You're bold. Stand up and do it. Amen. Amen. Rahab's in James 2? That's why you're learning James 2. To know that Rahab made it to James 2. She was justified by lying. Because the lying was against the pagan rulers of her city in defense of the God of heaven and for the sake of his people. James 2.25, after mentioning Abraham being justified by works in verse 23 and 24, you just had read to you by Jonathan Nappy, James 2.25, Likewise also, just like Abraham, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? When she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. And set about the city gate, she sent them out her window over the wall. Rahab the harlot, by faith, God reached down into the city of Jericho, into the land of Canaan, and plucked out a harlot to exalt his grace, his mercy, his loving kindness, his favor, his gentleness, his forgiveness to all men and all women for all time. Because... When she had presented to her the works of God, she believed them, humbled herself, and took a risk in her life. A risk greater than moving from California. A risk greater than waiting to marry a believer. She took that risk, and the Lord blessed her abundantly. She's in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. She is the great-great-grandmother of David. She was justified by faith. She's in the hall of faith, Rahab the harlot. You know, you read James, does James 2 call her a harlot? Does it? Does Hebrews 11 call her a harlot? Why in the world do we want to call her a Holiday Inn manager? Both Testaments. Amazing. Believe the Word of God and read it. Will you keep a challenge with me? 
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth, nor, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Do you want to be like that tree? Then take a challenge with me. Let's read twice as many chapters of God's Word meditatively, carefully, humbly, submissively this week over what we did last week. And may God bless the men of this church to be like Joshua. May God bless the women of this church to be like Rahab who saw God and said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to follow him. I will risk my life. I will lose any reward. I will follow the God of the Bible. Let's be like Joshua who said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May the Lord bless the preaching of